Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back. It's our weekly podcast, and I'm glad you're back. And I hope you listen to the other ones because they're hopefully teaching us all different and better ways of living so that we can all have happier lives and better kids and all that kind of stuff. Last week, we talked about the midlife crisis, and it's kind of a scary thought, but I guess we all have it, male, female, but it is in a different format for males and females. We learned how it's triggered, what it does to us, kind of the crazy ways it wreaks its havoc on us. Talked about the role that some depression may play in it during this period of our lives and the reactions that we do from all of the things that we feel. So take a listen. All of my podcasts are on my website at www.drsophie.com or on iTunes. But this week, we're going to be talking about the topic of resiliency. I'm not even sure we all really have a good grasp of it. So we're going to talk about what is it? Is it something we learn? Is it something that is taught to us in school? How do you become more resilient? And really, how does it really play out in our lives? So we're going to learn all about resiliency. So come on back, one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. Every caller will receive a free signed copy of my book, Side by Side, The Conflict-Free Mother-Daughter Book. You got to get it. It's really a good book. one uh, 855 now 1-855-767-4966, and meet our expert and talk about resiliency. So joining me now is my guest expert, Tracy Stecker. She's going to be talking about resiliency with me. Tracy is a PhD, sis, uh, assistant professor at the Psychiatric Research Center in the Department of Community and Family Medicine at Dartmouth Medical School and at the White River Junction VA. Dr. Stecker is a psychologist, mental health services researcher. She'll tell you all about herself. Are you with us, Dr. Stecker? I am here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. We're talking resiliency, right? We are. So which is what is it? ironic given the tragedy that happened at the Connecticut school. Sad, sad day for everybody across the country, you know? Yeah, yeah. And exactly what is resiliency? Because more than anything, people need to know about it today. Well, resiliency is, is basically being able to cope with a, a situation or stress. Um, and so, in some ways, um, coping on the day of a, a tragedy like this is ludicrous. You know, I think everybody's mourning today and grieving rather than focusing on how to, to deal with the situation and being able to move on from it. Right. Um, but at some point, it is um, important to take that first step. You know, it does feel a little grotesque to talk about it, given that, that there are people all over the world, but with respect to that situation, they're currently in right. the middle of a terrible tragedy. But at some point, um, all of us, you know, no matter what we're dealing with in our daily lives, have to be able to respond and cope with that stress and, and be able to move on. And, and that's the real kind of true understanding and meaning of resiliency, the ability to grasp kind of what's happened, pick your boots up and move forward at a certain point. Right. And is there a time limit in that, that certain point? Some people, you know, it might be years before they want to get to that point. They may stay in a state of anger or something. In particular, with respect to trauma, um, um, people who suffer uh, from post-traumatic stress disorder 
um, may have had a traumatic incident happen at some point in their lives, but it could be years before they even display the symptoms of, of a disorder. Um, so PTSD is one of those unique situations where the trauma could happen at any point in the life, but the symptoms could ha- be triggered any time later in life, which is um, somewhat unique to PTSD. So does PTSD hold resiliency back, or is is lack of resiliency part of PTSD? Well, I, I don't know that I don't know that I can answer that question. Um, I think we we learned a little bit about um, how PTSD, the symptoms of PTSD, can actually emerge when Hurricane Katrina hit. We had a whole bunch of veterans who were living on the Gulf Coast in that area, in New Orleans and the Mississippi area, who had been um, in Vietnam or World War II veterans and had never displayed symptoms of PTSD. But when the hurricane hit, they were triggered and um, had started suffering from horrible nightmares and flashbacks, um, difficulty sleeping, lots of hypervigilance over an event that happened when they were at war. I got it. So it's safe to say that resiliency is that ability to move forward and that you have to get to that point in order to get through the process of the morning, whether you're doing it from a standpoint and a foundation of PTSD or not, correct? Right. Okay. Correct. And so yeah. where do we get the muscles and the whatever energy to be resilient? Are we born with it? Do we learn it? I think it's a practice skill. It, it's a skill we don't teach our children. And it's a skill I think we teach our children differently, depending on if they're boys or girls. I think some people are innately, you know, gifted at being resilient. They just have the internal resources. But um, even among those who are just naturally able to be resilient, um, we all have to practice it. Um, I think a lot of it is, in some ways, and this is the good thing, in our control because we, we can change our perspective on any situation if we work at it. How? So that's that's the good news. But they'll, they'll say to you, how? It sounds easy, but how do we do that? Right. It's, it does sound easy. It, it is a matter of working at it because in the, in the, in the heat of the moment, um, and I hate to use this school shooting as an example, but in the heat of the moment, there's no way to have meaning over the event. It's meaningless. It's unbelievable right. that something like that so could happen. That's like shock. It's shock. Okay. Exactly. And shock can last a long time. What's but a long at some time? Point you, you have to be able to say you say things to yourself about that event, um, such as you know I can't believe that happened, or that's the worst thing that could have happened, um, and and sometimes those sentences hold an enormous amount of power, and if you can tweak them just a little bit, um, I can't believe that happened, but and and be able to look at something positive. Um, just minor little tweaks can hold the, an enormous amount of difference between coping and not coping. Really? Really. Okay. So the internal building blocks that we would need to have or strengthen, Right. what are they? I believe it's having numerous coping skills that you can use and being Such able as what? to understand and one, think about the things you're saying to, to yourself and understand that you have the power to change the sentence you're saying to yourself. So give me an example. Um, this is the worst situation that could ever happen. 
um, that's that's a sentence that people. Why did this happen to me? That right. these are things people say to each other. Right, and say they to themselves often change that um, to what? Nothing will ever get better for me. Okay, but what do you change these to? Um, tweak them to something that has meaning for that individual. So. Um, there's no magic sentence that would work because what would work for me and you might not work for somebody else okay. or what might work for me might not work for you. But, right. um, but, but I think it's a really individual thing to be able to modify the, the sentence you're saying to yourself, even if it feels really true, modify it just enough so that there's some hope in that sentence. Okay. There's something positive. It, it, could, it could be the worst thing that ever happened to you. That could be a totally true sentence. Add a but. Got but it. I, I can move on, but okay. at least I still have this. All but right. So some of the building blocks are the coping skills of what? Changing your sentences, really being aware of what you're saying and the content and making it more strength and positive based. Right. What else? And um, being able to to access different coping skills. One of my big things that I that I talk to, I work with, I should have given a little bit more context about myself. My area of expertise is actually guys returning from the wars um, in Iraq and Afghanistan who are struggling with um, PTSD. PTSD or depression. Now they have to be resilient or at least you have to be teaching them that, right? Yeah, well, it's one of the things that they've changed about um, training, um, pre-deployment training. That is something that they've definitely beefed up their resiliency training, um, which I think is a really good thing. And, uh, um, and is that a training they get there or they get it when they come back home? They get it before they go, before uh, they deploy. And this wow. is new. This is within the last five years they've started, maybe not even five years three or four years, um, they've started to help um, members of the military practice resiliency skills. And that's practice. these mantras and stuff. And, and, and utilizing different coping skills, correct. So a lot of people get stuck, um, for example, with substances. Um, people can get stuck um, with their quote-unquote favorite coping skill, um, I'm having difficulty sleeping, I'm having nightmares, so therefore I'm going to drink, and that will help me sleep, and, and I'll pass out and won't remember any of my nightmares, for example. Right. Um, people tend to like, um, especially after a trauma, people tend to go to their favorite coping skill and use that. Even if it's unhealthy. Even if it's unhealthy. Well, and, and that's ironic, too. I think even the healthy coping skills, quote-unquote healthy coping skills, um, become unhealthy if that's the one you're relying on. Um, it's important to have a broad range of coping skills you can go to. And do you, is, do you recommend that people rotate? I, I recommend that they, that they use as many as they possibly have access to. Um, and, and I think about, you know, victims in a disaster, your your favorite coping skills are often not available, um, and people don't plan for that. Um, it, for for these people responding to what happened today in Connecticut, um, you know, thinking about their their favorite coping skill, it might involve family members that are not there anymore. Um, it, it can it it can be very a, a painful thing to think about. Hey, that's my favorite thing to do, and I don't have access to it anymore. So you know what so, I want. I want to go deeper into what you're saying because I think it's really very important. So 
if I'm just correct me if I'm wrong, you're, what you're saying is like on a day like today, maybe a mom or dad's coping skill would be to find comfort in knowing they get to see their son or daughter at the end of the day, and there that, are that won't be there. Of parents doing exactly that right now. Yep. And then they're all in, across the country. There, are, there are probably thousands of hundreds of thousands of parents hugging their kid when they get off that bus today. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried about my own kid at school. Exactly. So, yeah. but that's what you're talking about. So, if that skill, that coping skill, can't work because now they've lost their child, you're right. saying they're going to be at a loss and they need to switch on to something else. Many, yes, as many as they possibly can. And can you give me some examples of like what some of them, are, what some well, of the yeah, ones it, are? It can, it can be anything. I mean, we're talking about um, taking a bath, um, um, eating. Um, reading a book, calling a friend, uh, exercising, um, watching a movie, watching TV, uh, you know, engaging in any sort of activity that, and, and a variety of activities that can help your system kind of just take a breath. Okay, and some people are going to say, well, isn't that just distracting and that's going to take my focus off of feeling and dealing? Um, I, I would say, um, w with all the work I've done with individuals with PTSD, um, I know there's an, uh, they put an enormous amount of effort into numbing and trying to distract themselves. It is an impossible task. Um, it, when there is a trauma, a real trauma, like the one that happened today, um, um, distraction is impossible. So m most often I talk to these guys about how they, they work very hard at distracting themselves, but they don't. Okay. They, they never do. It's kind of always there with them. So I, I, I can understand the idea that it's just distraction, but at the same time it's also allowing your body to um, be human, to recover, to do normal things. Okay. Uh, so the opposite of, of not doing all of those things is sitting there and suffering. That's very true. But the other question then is, is resiliency something then that we should be doing acutely, like right now in the moment of a crisis, or is it something we do throughout as well, or what? I, my personal opinion is that it's something we all should be practicing, and hardly any of us do. Yeah. And so all the way through a trauma, beginning, middle, and end. Yeah, I think, I think we have to practice before a trauma happens. Um, we don't know. I mean, those people did not get up that morning and know that today was a day. Um, right. So you mean get your toolbox filled, master these skills, and practice. be able to be strong. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't even know what, what skills you'll have access to in the heat of the moment. So it's almost like allowing yourself to practice a variety of skills, not knowing which ones you'll have access to in the heat of the moment. Got it. Okay. How about we take a voicemail? Okay. Hi, Dr. Sophie. My name is Dean. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I was hoping you could help me out with something. Something uh, Lately I've been kind of getting a little bit frustrated because every time I have sort of an unfortunate event that happens to me or an interaction with someone that doesn't seem to go my way, I kind of kind of get down on myself pretty easily and and I sort of stay down for you know an extended period of time, and it's tough for me to kind of bounce back and try try something else a second time, or or kind of fix my interactions with people. Um, and it's you know I, I realize this, and it's sort of been frustrating me 
kind of a lot lately, and I was just hoping you could help me out and and give me some advice on sort of the, the best way to move forward. That's interesting. Uh, tell me what you think first. It is interesting because in some ways we were talking about that earlier, that you're, you say you're having a hard time and getting frustrated with yourself because when something happens, it, it's very easy for you to get down on yourself, and, and the things you say to yourself are negative. And even when you try and put a positive spin on it, it seems hard for you, if, if I understood that right. And so it goes back to what we were saying, how that, that is something we, we all need to practice better um, and, and, and improve is our ability when things look terrible and it's easiest to say, um, this is awful, I hate my life, I hate everything that happens, blah, 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 to try and tweak it a little bit. If you're still having difficulty doing that, my recommendation would, would be to talk to a professional and have somebody help you um, work through those thoughts with you so that you're not on your own trying to do it by yourself. Sometimes it's right. easier if somebody's there with you well, yeah. um, and being able to, to help you tweak the thoughts a little bit easier. Okay, and so would you say then that resilience, resiliency builds tolerance? Yes. And so when we're knocked down by somebody, whether it's by something mean they said or a tragedy or whatever, it's our ability to stand back up over time it on is. both feet. Yes. And with without the feeling of retaliation, I would assume. Right. No, it's ability to to stand back up. It's like that that quote. I'm not sure who said it. So, but um, it's not it's not in falling. It's in, in getting, getting up. up. That's the glory. And so there's a need for resiliency for yourself as well as the way you deal with others. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's interesting because I don't think people really understand. Because there's this zero tolerance policies and there's we don't have tolerance for this or, you know, we tell our kids we have to tolerate others. But I don't think they understand really. I don't think anybody really gets fully the understanding of, well, where do you get this tolerance? How? Yeah. Is that well, just putting it up? It is a very individual thing, which is why practicing is important, particularly before a trauma happens. Because um, your own ability to respond is, is going to be based on what works for you. And then also, I guess from what you're saying is, the only thing you have to count on is your own ability to do it. But isn't that great? Because you always have access to that. Right. No, and see, that's... No matter the situation. Maybe not in the heat of the moment, okay? Um, but, but a day later, <laughs> you always have access to your own spirit. And as scary as that may be for other, for some people who feel they don't have the internal tools yet, that's the most secure thing once they get them, right? Right. Yeah. And there, there are countless people out there, including you and I, who are who are willing to help practice skills with people. Absolutely. Okay. How about we do another uh, caller voicemail? Sure. Uh, hi, Dr. Sophie. Uh, my name is Nathan. Um, I work with children at an elementary school. And uh, many of the kids in my classes um, have had to overcome hardships. Um, and I was just wondering what your take would be on um, being able to teach them resiliency and how to overcome their obstacles um, and really, as they become adults, uh, go into people that, that are not victims so much as people that can power through anything that life may throw at them. Um, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. Thank you very much. Interesting. What do you think? Well, it does go back in, in some ways to um, what we were talking about, too, in terms of training in, in the military. Um, 
So before individuals are deployed to a war zone, they are getting resiliency training. And I think it's a great idea to teach our kids those those sorts of skills. I don't think as a society we're very good at that at all. Um, and, and so um, I guess what I would say is that I think it's a good idea. Um, I, I don't know of anyone who's doing it. How? How do they do this? I mean, how are you guys doing it for the military, and how would you translate that into something that our listeners would be able to do with their children? Um, well, I don't, I'm not the person who's involved in the military doing it, so I, I, can't, I can't tell you how they're doing it. Um, but there, there might be some information on the Internet on the resiliency training, um, and there might even be some people who study how to do this with children. It's not my area of expertise, so I feel a little bit uncomfortable answering, except to say I, it, it's very possible and, and a great idea. Okay. And so how would you teach resiliency to your children? That is a, a good time for each parent to reflect exactly. on what they are teaching their children, because often what we teach our children is something that we, we as individuals struggle with. So what I would recommend is for every, anybody willing to do it um, is to pay attention to the messages you send your kids when they are upset, disappointed, angry. Um, what do you say to them? And, and kind of give yourself a moment to think, is that why am I sending that message? Is it really the message I want to say? Is it what my friends would tell me? Is it what I tell myself? Right. And it, it's also listening, not, uh, it's also talking to your children in that heat of the moment when they're upset or whatever and how you're going to navigate them through that emotionally. But it's also what you're doing when you're angry on the road or you're angry in the grocery store or somebody's right. bothered you, how you're right. handling it. So role modeling is a big part of it, yes? It really is. And that's, really is. that's where parents really need to beef up their tools and practice because mm -hmm. you need these at your fingertips, both from a parenting perspective and an everyday life perspective for yourself. Right. And it is difficult if, uh, you know, we're, all of us are... Um, you struggle. It, just daily life can be hard. Absolutely. People have financial stress and people, we're all very busy. Um, and there's just, you know, an enormous amount of things to do in a given day. And here I am saying, take, the mo take, a, take a moment to think about what you're doing and um, what you're practicing and the messages you're sending. Um, but, but I tell you, that's a, it's a worthwhile thing to do, um, to take a moment and consider Yes, because it really gives you that ability to stop in the moment. Right. Or to plan for next time. Right. And, and that's the other thing I want you to talk about, to plan for next time. How do people forgive themselves then? I mean, is it okay to say I made a mistake and I learned and you do better next time? What a, what a great message you could send to a kid, too. Hey, I don't, I'm not sure I handled that the way I wanted to. Next time, I hope I do it this way. What a great message to send to a kid or anybody, really, that we're all human. We're all capable of making mistakes. Um, mistakes are okay, and that we can try again. And that all builds resiliency. I think so. Because even if you made a mistake and admitting it is part of having a coping skill, right. that isn't as bad as screaming and yelling. Right. And then moving on to the healthier one for the next time. 
That's right. And, and there's a place for screaming and yelling. There is? Where? Oh, come on. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, it, it might not be the healthiest thing in the moment or in a particular context. But if you can take yourself out of that context and scream and yell when there won't be consequences, hey, go for it. Okay. Tell me something. With children, are we better off doing as much as we can, loading them up with skills early on? Is it easier for them to learn them and integrate them at that point and then have them accessible for their life versus an adult? I think that's a great question. I don't I don't know the answer if there's a... Um, a t- um, you know, a critical moment for teaching these skills. My belief on it is the critical moment is when you're in need. It's so hard to think about these things when you're not in need, and then in the in the heat of the moment, in, in despair, that's when we tend to start thinking about these things, um, which is sort of bad because we didn't practice. But on the other hand, it is when you get to know yourself the best and you can identify easily identify um, sources of strengths that you didn't even know you had within you. Got it. Yeah, I definitely think the earlier you do it, the better. They right. get more practice. They're more able to access them. Right. All right, yeah. let's do one more voicemail, and I will set you free after you tell us all about you. Okay. Hey, Dr. Sophie, this is Jerry with a question and comment about uh, the topic of resiliency. I am fully aware that People generally are very, very resilient, but at some point I think resiliency becomes kind of a mask for underlying problems. And I'm calling because a friend of mine lost both of his parents in the last year and recently was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and it's it's early stage, so he should be fine. But nonetheless, throughout all of these ordeals, he's continued to put on a very strong face and seems relatively unfazed by all of this. He's very resilient. Uh, but I'm concerned that under the surface, the resiliency is hiding something that may ultimately need to come out, may ultimately be a problem, or he's, he's frankly kidding himself about being so resilient and not showing some emotion. Now, maybe he shows that emotion to other people and just not to me. But I'd like your thoughts on that general topic of, of resiliency versus masking what's really going on. Thank you. It's interesting. All these men called today. But I, that's that same kind of thought process I was asking you earlier. Like, is it maybe a place of denial? Well, I, I would say that's not resilient then. Um, and also why I said, hey, there's a place for kicking and screaming and yelling. Um, coping skills can be negative and still helpful or be thought of as negative and still helpful. For example, um, having a drink is is not nece- not a bad thing. Um, having 99 is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, Screaming is not a bad thing. Um, screaming all the time or screaming in a particular context is a bad thing. Um, so so a lot of these quote-unquote unhealthy things, crying, um, men maybe would have a hard time crying in a particular context, uh, or and women too. Um, but but that's not necessarily a, a bad thing to do. And so so truly to be resilient, it's it's the idea that you're coping with a stressor or a situation. Um, and and that's the, that would be, the, you know, more of a real definition of, of resilience rather than putting on a face. Okay. And then that coping, how do you know then when coping and a drink is not a good thing? It's when you get to a certain number. 
or is this us you know where it's becoming the only coping skill i mean how do you know that a coping skill that is technically not the healthiest one i think anytime and and we all do this um we all do this, not necessarily with drinking, but with our, our favorite coping skill. Anytime you're relying on one, that, that's a bad idea. Um, Why? Because it, it, if, you're, if you're just relying on one thing, you're, you're, not, you're, you're not coping with the situation. You're, you're essentially um, focusing your energy on um, that one behavior or, or thing. Um, and then you and, lose sight of the resilience. You do. You lose sight of what it. you're you're in it for. So whenever you're on, you you have to rely on more than one. If you're only relying on one, that's you're not even being resilient. You're just kind of escaping. Right. Okay. I got it. All right. So tell us a little bit about you and how we find you and your information because you got some great thoughts here for us. Thanks. Uh, this was fun. I um I was happy to happy to participate. I am at Dartmouth Medical School, and anybody can send me an email. My email address is tracy.stecker at dartmouth.edu. Um, you can also find me online if you just Google my name. Um, um, a lot about my work with veterans pops up. Very good, and you deal with a lot of substance abuse, I would imagine. Yes, we do. What, we um what? we have had um several guys who men and women who have um used drugs or alcohol in order to cope with some of their experiences in at war and um that's a great example of relying on one coping skill can get you in a heck of a lot of trouble how do you typically deal with that then my um, work focuses on getting people linked into treatments and on so their way individuals to with with PTSD and substance use disorders um, um, it's best if we can get them in treatment in a treatment where both of those conditions are being treated so like a co-occurring disorder situation that's right and then what do you do do you expect sobriety from these people depends on on the situation um, and again it's their individual situation and context uh, many of these guys became dependent on pain medicines because they were injured in theater and um, were prescribed medicines for um, quite a long time. For example, a typical prescription pattern would look like this, pain medicines, sleeping medicines, and anti-anxiety medicines. Yeah. Um, it's not going to take too long before you become dependent on that. Um, and so often people will have to get... Um, you know, specific help for yeah. the underlying physical condition and then the mental health symptoms and the addiction symptoms. Okay. I have another quick question before I let you go. Is it true, false, in between, that resiliency, coping skills should be things within ourselves, not outside of ourselves? Or can they be things external to us? Like, you mean a dog? Like a dog, like a drink, like bravery, uh, all I kinds think, of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think it can, external things could be part of your repertoire of coping skills. Um, dogs are really popular ones with the, with the returning service members. Oh, is it? Yes. Ah, very interesting. So it can, as long as it's a healthy, strength-based coping skill, moderately handled and used, and you have a menu full of them, you're probably in a good place. Yes. And to build that now, before there's a trauma, is what you're saying is key to yes. success. Yes. 
and and forgive yourself in the heat of the moment um none of us cope well um and and there's there's an awful lot of pain involved in trauma and um and processing through it and so some days are going to be easier than others and so if you have a day where you're not coping well hey you have a day where you're not coping well that's that is okay because even if you cope well one time doesn't mean i guarantee you're going to cope well all the time absolutely not <laughs> good all right Dr. Tracy Stecker, thank you for your great insight, good information, and we can find you. We can Google you, or we can find you at Dartmouth. That's right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, too. Well, that was interesting. We learned really all about resiliency and what it is and how to build it, and it's a basically a vital piece of who we are in order for us to cope and get to the other side of traumas and issues that really kind of trip us up. I really think it's important for you to understand after today, really, what is resiliency? And resiliency is the ability to cope and to move on past a event, traumatic event usually, whether it's something that happens in the grocery store or a global tragedy on a bigger level. But the bottom line is the ability to pick your boots up and move forward and bounce back. And that comes from the second thing that I want you to really understand, which are skills that we need, a toolbox of coping skills that we need to be practicing in times of stability, in times of no crisis, and in times when we can focus and, and really master these skills. And they can be anything. They can have anything to do with our lives. They could be things outside of our bodies, things inside, strengths, anything that you can think of that is a healthy coping skill for you so that you have many to choose from in the heat of the moment of a crisis because we learned today that you cannot just rely on one coping skill because that's really not truly coping. That is just probably leaning up against something before you fall down. So you got to have a whole bunch of these coping skills in order to be successful and build your resiliency. And then the other thing that I think is important is that once you know these coping skills, you've got to practice them and practice them and practice them. And what better way to practice them other than role modeling as a parent for our children? So getting the skills and practicing the skills are the key foundations to resiliency and keeping it and building it. So the more we do them, the more we master them, the more we have access to them in the heat of the moment. And the other important thing to learn today is that at the end of the day, you always have access to these coping skills because they're within you. They're either things that you have within your life, like your dog or, or external things, or they're the tools that you've built within yourself of coping to build resiliency. And so you always have access to them. You don't have to rely on anyone else to allow you to use the tools that you build because you built them. They're inside of you. You own them, you master them, they're yours. And that's the greatest thing about tolerance and resiliency and the ability to bounce back. The tools that you need to be resilient are within you. And so that's what it's saying. That's what's meant when they say the power is within you. The power is within you to be able to cope and bounce back at the rate that's best for you. And the quicker you're able to do that, is based on how you can access these tools within yourself. So reach inside yourself, build your tools, and be as resilient as you can, and don't rely on just one. We have to have many. Again, I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Tracy Stecker. She had a lot of great information from Dartmouth University about resiliency. 
I'd like to remind all of you that podcasts are available on my website at www.drsophie.com. My new phone app, which I'm really excited about, and it's a lot of work, will be out soon, and you're going to love it. I'm always available to you by voicemail at one eight five five sophie now or one eight five five seven six seven four nine six six. My book, Side by Side, the Revolutionary Mother Daughter Program for Conflict Free Communication, is always available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Nobles, all those kinds of things. Please follow me on Twitter and Facebook so you can find out what's going on and where I'm at. Visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And most importantly, don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head.